Welcome to another exciting message from Journey Church, meeting weekly in Northwest Calgary. At Journey Church, we're encountering God and embracing people. twice a year. We do it in September and we do it in January. And um, every year I uh, think to myself, this is going to be great. God's going to speak to me because you can see it like from the, from the end part, right? It's going to be powerful. And then the first day of the fast comes. I'm going to tell you all that last Sunday night I went to bed at eight o'clock because my head hurt so bad and all I could think of was food. Do you ever have this? Like, it's all I can think about. I wanted a Big Mac because the Big Mac, it was so mean. I felt like McDonald's would just put those Big Mac commercials on. Every 20 seconds, you really want a Big Mac. We've re-envisioned the Big Mac. Who knew that they re-envisioned the Big Mac? I said to Dave, did you know that they made a new Big Mac? We need to go to McDonald's. Try that out. They were greasy before. Maybe they're not anymore. Maybe it's a weight loss function. Who knows? They've got a lot of... And I thought if I went to bed at 8 o'clock, or 8.30, I guess it was, that it would make the two weeks go by faster. Like somehow I could be like a bear and just hibernate for the next two weeks. And then all of a sudden it'd be over and it would be powerful. And I, uh, you know, we're quick to say, yes, I can do that. Sure. Sure, Jesus. You need me to, whatever, I can drink your cup. Absolutely. A lot of us were quick to do that. And Jesus wisely says, Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup. You will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with. Jesus is referring to here the fact that the, all the disciples would be executed for their faith. Some of you right now are struggling um, with belief. Can I just have a little aside for a moment? You're struggling with belief and you wonder, I don't, I don't know if this is all true. Tell you what really helped me a little bit when I recognized that I looked at history and thought, like, I can barely say I'm only going to eat fruits and veggies for a week. All 12 of the disciples were killed for the name of Jesus. All 12. If that doesn't say something to you about the truth of the claims of who Jesus says he is, I don't know what will. And when they heard about this, and Jesus said, you will drink the cup, I will drink, be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with, but to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. Verse 41 says, when the ten heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. See, that's what we get, isn't it? We're so quick to become like, oh, I could see the spiritual haughtiness in that person. I could say, pride cometh before a fall. A lot of us love that verse. We like to like trot it out when someone else, hmm, I could see there's a lot of pride hiding in that person's heart. All ten of them. So Jesus called them together. Jesus, and he said to them, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. So again, Jesus is coming back to this idea of servanthood. If you want to be great, you're going to have to be a servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. I want to tell you that when I read this in this uh, particular version, the NRSV, it, it annoyed me. 
this word slave, I just thought, what? I, I had a visceral reaction to it. And I thought to myself as I read it, oh, that's, that must be how the disciples felt. Because the idea of slavery was like, that's way below us. We're better than that. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. So Jesus makes these two very strong statements. They're not candy-coated. He doesn't say, as long as you're like feeling up to it, as long as you haven't had a hard patch in your life right now, as long as everything, there's wind beneath your sails, and it feels like there's a blow dryer blowing your hair like Mariah Carey in a music video. No, he doesn't say that. He just says, no, not so with you. You're called to be servant, uh, just like me, full stop. No caveats, no, and he says it not once, but twice. And if you look at the Gospels, you'll see that he refers to this over and over and over again. So the question we have to ask ourselves, I think, is um, why has Jesus called us to serve? Why, why did he have, is it just so that he could say, ha, I can get you to do what I want you to do? No, I, I actually think there are biblical and scriptural reasons, and we're going to look at some of them. Uh, the first one, and I, I think perhaps um, the most ubiquitous throughout the Bible is this, is that serving allows us to participate in the miracles of God. Serving allows us to participate in the miracles of God. You see, God is a God who, um, he's not just a God from above that says, and you go here, he, he actually desires you wants you, knows you, and actually wants your life with him to be an adventure. From Genesis to Revelation, we see that this plays out over and over and over again. Let me just give you a few examples. Um, in Genesis chapter 6, this is where uh, God tells Noah to build the ark. Have you ever thought about this though before? Why didn't God, okay, so God was going to make it rain and drown the holy earth, so why, why didn't he just say to Noah, and here is a boat I have created for you. I mean, he did that with the rain, right? Like lots and lots of rain. Why did he make one person? I, I, I mean, this is, I mean, they made movies about this because it's so insane, right? Like one guy and it's like kids. I'm like, that's terrible. It's his kids. Have you ever tried to get your kids to build anything with you? It's like by himself. You know, dad's going out to work on that boat again. I'm busy right now. My favorite show is on. I got homework, pre-calculus. It's taking me 75 hours. I need an... One guy had to build an entire boat. Why did God get him to do that? I think it was to participate in the miracle. So when the rain came, it meant something to him. It wasn't just like a boat that went, because you know when you do something and then like something happens, you think, whoa, I did that, amazing. He's floating around. Yeah, that's right, that's my cypress wood floating. Yes, it is. Okay, so then so, so maybe it's just a one-off, but no, it's not, because then you get to the book of Exodus and um, God shows up in a burning bush to Moses. Now he can show up in a burning bush that doesn't burn. And yet he has to say to Moses, I want you to go and use your mouth and talk to Pharaoh. Why? Couldn't God have just struck Pharaoh down and said, let my people go. They're all going home now. Goodbye, Pharaoh. Yes. He had a burning bush that didn't burn up. But instead he said to Moses, I want you. I want you. You guy who's got a stutter. I want you to open up your mouth and like actually serve. 
Why? Because the miracle would be greater because then Moses got to get in on the miracle. And as he's walking, eating that manna, he's saying, this is the God that I partner with. Not just a God that says, bam, you do this, and bam, you do this. Like, I'm sure God could come right now, those of you that are struggling financially, and pay off your mortgage. I'm sure that could happen. But somehow God asks us to partner with him so that when we do, we see the miracle. Let me give you another example from this. 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 1, one of my favorite stories in the whole Bible. It's about this lady. She's broke and she's going to die. And it's kind of a funny story if you read it because she's like, I'm going to die. We're just going to close the door and die now. I don't know that you die from starvation like that. But anyway, she thought you have been there. I have been there before. So anyway, she's going to die of starvation. She and her son. And um, the prophet comes and he says, hey, listen, so what you're going to do is you're going to go gather some jars from all your friends. Seriously, this is the weirdest story ever. Why couldn't have God have just, bam, here's a gold little, go, follow a rainbow and go get the gold. Nope, she's got to go to all the people and get out. Hi, I'm looking for jars right now. Why are you looking for jars? Well, I'm just about to die, my son and I. And I just thought before we die, we'd collect jars. <laughs> Could you give me all your jars? So she collects the jars and then, and then the text, if you look at the Hebrew, the text kind of implies that she gets a little bit like, I don't know, squirmish about it. So then they go, okay, fine, we're done collecting the jars. And then the prophet says, what you're going to do is you're going to pour oil. And the oil keeps coming until all the jars are full. And then the prophet says, now go sell all those oils, sell all that oil and live off, live off of it. You're not going to die. Now, why did God do that? Why? I think it's quite simple. Because he wants us to participate in his miracles. He, we, we get to participate. You are a miracle participator. You get to be a miracle participator. Do you see that? That's all? Now, some of you are looking for a miracle here, and you haven't seen it. And I want to suggest this morning that some of us haven't seen a miracle because we haven't been willing to participate. We've just been saying, send me the little bag of gold, God. That's what I need. And God's saying, go get some jars. Don't die yet. Go get some jars. Joshua chapter 18, verse 3, the disciples, I mean, not the disciples, the tribes of Israel, they've come into this new land. And then finally, someone goes, hey, how long is it going to take you before you possess the land? How long is it going to take you before you go out and possess the land? So, so, the, so really, when you read the subtext here, what was happening is that the people of Israel were kind of sitting around going, I wonder, what will, I wonder how God's going to help us to possess the land. And finally, someone has the uh, sense to go, hey, how long is it going to be before you wake up and go possess the land? And then they do. And they live in peace. Unless you think this is an Old Testament concept, when you get to the New Testament, Jesus actually shows us this over and over again. But maybe my favorite is from John chapter 2. When Jesus is at this wedding and they've run out of wine, and um, so now, now, okay, so let's just set the stage. We, we know backwards. We can, this is Jesus who has been raised, who raises himself from the grave, okay? So he's that kind. Of, he's the Jesus who says to dead people, get up and walk. He's the Jesus that heals people. He's the Jesus that multiplies food. He says to people at the party, now what I want you to do is go and put water in the barrels. Now, I'm going to guarantee you this. I don't know this for sure. This is, but you know that those people probably weren't, because Jesus' mother has to get a bit firm and says, 
And she says this in the text, go do whatever he tells you to do. Moms, all the moms in the house understand the voice that Mary had at that point in time. Do you know when you use that, you are going to do exactly what I tell you. You are not going to ask me why. This is not the time to ask why we brush our teeth twice a day. This is, you just go and do it now. That's the kind of, if you read John chapter 2, it's great. She's really, but you know the people, why are we putting water into these jars? Because like, it's big barrels. Have you ever, have you ever had to carry a big barrel? It's not too fun. And then you're going to put water in it. Great. This is a really big pain. Why do we have to, Jesus could have just gone, snap, here's the wine, everybody, look at me. No, instead he called those people to put water in the jars. I want to suggest to you this morning that God's called us to be those kinds of people, to do whatever he's asked us to do, to put water into barrels when we don't know the outcome on the other side, to actually live like that, to, because we get to, we get to be miracle participators. If you haven't seen a miracle lately, maybe it's because you're not participating. Second thing, we, reason we serve is because serving allows us to be conformed into the image of Jesus. I actually think the greatest fulcrum, the greatest leverage that God has in our life is serving. It's the thing that makes me look the most like Jesus because sometimes it's the most difficult. Proverbs tells us that he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. I love that scripture because it reminds me that there is something that I actually receive when I serve. And some of us, if we're really honest, um, our lives haven't gone like, I look like Jesus, I look more like Jesus, I look more like Jesus. <laughs> some of us, we've had this, and if you're with, you're with me here too, I look like Jesus, yeah, I'm having a bit of a hard time, I look a little bit more like Jesus, I look a little bit less like Jesus, but I, I'm praying, God, would you help me go from glory to glory to glory, to glory. And the way that, that the mechanism that God is, has uh, brought in our lives to do that is service. Jesus said over and over again, hey, listen, you want to look like me? You've got to serve because I've even come. Even I have come to serve. Luke uh, says it this way, Luke 22, verse 27, but I am among you as one who serves. If Jesus is among us as one who serves, then we must also. The third um, reason we serve is serving reminds us the priorities in our lives. It reminds us of what's important. This world, it's really easy to, um, it's like a vortex of self. If we're not careful, we get caught in our own stuff, in our own things, in our own pain, in our own heartache, in our own, and serving allows us to get out of that and serve other people. Fourth reason is that serving deepens our commitment to one another. Galatians 5.13 says, for you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgence, but through love become slaves to one another. The way that we learn to love one another is by serving one another. There is no other way. And um, sometimes we say things like this, I think in a really consumeristic church, not this particular church, but the general church in general has become consumeristic and we think I will serve when I find the right people to serve, when I find people worthy of my service, who don't bug me and who are organized and who don't mess things up. Um, but actually, the reverse is true, that we love each other through service. When we serve people, the Spirit of God comes on what we do and makes it bigger than 
we are. And it finally, serving connects us to something bigger than ourselves. You see, you are not just by yourself living your own little life. You're actually in the meta-narrative of the kingdom. We are actually able to join with what God is doing. Did you know that God is on the, regardless of what you are feeling right now, regardless of how you feel about Journey Church or how you feel about your small group or how you feel about your spirit, God is on the move. And when we serve, we get to join him in what he is doing. We get to. I know uh, for, for some of you, you think to yourself, well, I have heard this before. I know that we're supposed to be servants. And in fact, the business world has caught on to this because they actually recognize that the words of Jesus are not just powerful inside the church, but they're powerful outside the church. And so there's been a whole push towards servant leadership in the business world. And some of you have come and you said, well, I, I, I am serving already, so I guess this was just a chance for me to sleep in this service. I wish you could have told me some more Greek words, Pastor Jess, at least more jokes. Um, but I, I, um, I do want to push into those of us this morning that have been serving for a long time. Because I think there is something powerful about when this scripture, when Jesus taught this concept. He taught it to what would seemingly be mature Christians, which tells us that this is something that we must continue to learn as mature believers. 20 years ago, um, I think there was a push in churches to do more and more and more and more and more. And so I, I want you to hear me that that is not what I'm saying to you today. I don't think you see that Jesus just did more and more and more and more. In fact, uh, at times Jesus uh, did less. What he did do, you don't see him running helter-skelter all over the place, worrying himself out. But how we serve is as important as why we serve. And there's a couple ways that I believe we're called to serve. The first one is with intentionality and obedience. And this is where we have to be connected to the Father, right? To say, God, what, what is it that you would have me do? What is it, where is it that my gifts would be best served? How can I, um, how can I actually do what you've called me to do with passion? I saw this maybe but, uh, best done. Dave and I were uh, at a time where we were not leaving a church and we were just going to churches and it's a really good thing for every pastor to have to do and so we would take our four kids and uh, we had three at the time, three kids at the time and we're going to this church and we dropped our babies and nobody knew us. We were just people and we dropped our baby off in the nursery and then um, praise the Lord that he didn't cry because my children, if your children cry, I understand your pain. My children would always cry when they went in the nursery. Well, he didn't cry this week and I went to retrieve little Eli from the nursery, and this girl who was in the nursery uh, gave me just a note. She said, listen, I, I want you to know that I'm not just in here to hold babies. The Lord's called me to work in the nursery, and I prayed over your son the entire time. And here's just a prayer that I wrote down over your child. And I've kept that prayer all, all since that time, for almost 10 years now, I've kept that prayer. She said, I, I don't know, but I just felt like maybe the Lord would say this. Do you know that was, I walked away from there and thought, that's intentionality in serving, where we don't just go, oh, whatever, okay, the church needs somebody to do that, so I will do it. I hate doing it. I'm so angry about doing it. Oh, this place is so disorganized. <laughs> and we would live with that kind of intentionality that would say, everything I do, I do to the glory of God. I, I'm praying that we'd become a church that would be obedient to the call of God, that you would hear the voice of God. And when the Lord says, yes, you're to do this, that we would do it with intentionality and say, God, Help me to be 
focused, laser focused on what you want for me. And secondly, that we would serve with faith. That we would serve with faith. Some of us stopped, I mean, we have faith for big things. Like for our kids or like we've got faith to like get a promotion. We can have faith for that kind of thing. But what if we came in faith believing that if you're hosting at the door, that God would use you in a powerful way to touch somebody, to speak to somebody, to speak word of life to somebody? What if we actually believed with faith that when our kids go downstairs, that they're going to be enraptured with the person of Jesus, that they're going to be taken up? What if you were a youth leader and believed that you were going to just see many, many young teenagers come to faith? What if we believed for that kind of faith? What if you believed that your small group that God was going to infiltrate your small group and that nobody was ever going to be the same. I want to call us to a new level of faith. I want to say enough with lazy, nominal Christianity that we would say, God, we would rise up with faith. Uh, in our prayer time this morning, Abel read us a verse before we began to pray about Jesus saying, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you could say the mountain, be thou removed, and it would be cast into the sea. I want to call us to that kind of faith again. I want to call us to believe that God can do the impossible and that we would do that through our serving, that as we serve, we're believing God for the impossible. Yes? Because that is what is going to transform us from glory to glory. When we go on autopilot, we lose the, we lose the very point of Jesus' message. And then I'm praying that God would reignite us with passion. Passion. Do you know, because it's like way easier to do something when you're passionate about it. Yes? Okay, so I'm, gonna, I'm publicly outing myself. So for many years, since I moved here to Calgary, I have basically um, not done any too much exercise. By any too much, basically none. Okay, so I've done no exercise. But um, coming into this year, I thought, it's my glory year. I have no excuse. I have got, I have got to start sweating. And... Um, <laughs> So I've been going to the gym every day, and you can ask me, I'm publicly, this is a public out of myself. You can ask me if I start, I, I, I'm going every day. But I noticed something is interesting. I, I played basketball in, um, in college, and so I found a way to get myself excited to go, because I'm not particularly excited about like running on a treadmill, because it feels like you're just in one place. And I'm always scared of like falling off the treadmill. So if you know me, then you know. So anyways, I stay away. But I, I have found that if I go at a certain time of the day, I have like a basketball court all to myself. And I can feel like I'm Kobe Bryant or something. And I shoot about 500 shots. I just keep shooting. And it's reignited this passion in me to become fit. And I was thinking about this as I was shooting baskets. I was thinking and I was just praying about this message. And I, I just felt like the Holy Spirit said this. I, I think you need to ask God to reignite your passion again to serve. I think God can do that for you. Some of you, it's like you're dragging yourself along in service, like, oh, I got to do this because I got to get my golden Jesus star. Fine, I don't want anybody to think I'm backsliding or anything, but you, like, kind of hate it. And that's how I felt going to the gym until I realized that, oh, if I could go shoot basketball, then every day I'm like, I don't care what is happening. I'm going to shoot the basketball It's because it's fun. And I'm praying this, that at Journey Church, that it would be the kind of place where you come and you serve uh, because God's because God has ignited your passion. I mean, will there be days where you don't feel like it? Sure, there will be. But I'm praying there's more days that we get up and go, I get to do this. This is so awesome because I am getting to be in the miracle working business of God. I get to do this because I'm being conformed into the image of Jesus and because I love the people I get to do this for and with.
let me just speak to sacrifice. On Wednesday morning, I got up, and the first thing that the Holy Spirit spoke to me was about forgiveness. I didn't quite understand that because I thought, Lord, I'm speaking about serving this week. And, and right away I said, Lord, is this for me? And I felt like it was for this message this morning. Uh, and I'm trying to think about how I'm going to work that idea of forgiveness. And the Holy Spirit just spoke this to me. Some, some of you have been offended in serving. You've served and no one has seen you. Maybe you are designed in such a way you have a deep well of needed to be, needing to be seen and you haven't felt seen. I want to tell you today that the Spirit of God sees you, that Jesus sees you. Today, maybe some of you need a public apology for your service that has gone unseen, for the small things that you've done. And in some ways, part of this is about the sacrifice that Jesus calls us to, that we are a community that both gets to, that gets to because we want to, gets to serve because it's what Jesus has called us to, the sacrifice he's called us to. Maybe you weren't even offended here. Maybe you've been offended at other churches and so because of that, you've come in and thought, I'm just going to take a seat and I'm not going to get too involved because I want to protect my heart. When I see that, I see you today. Jesus sees you today. The pain and maybe the frustration. So, some of you work, uh, just let me just speak candidly to you for a minute. Some of you work in business environments where every T is crossed and every I is dotted and you've come away from churches before and gone, this place could only work like... The beautiful thing about the church and the kingdom is that it's messy. And I, I want to tell you that as a church, we want to endeavor to get better and better and better. But I also know this, that we work with a volunteer army, right? Maybe some of you are here and this is just... Just the word of the Lord to you that you just need to forgive and keep sacrificing. Forgive and keep sacrificing. Forgive and keep sacrificing. Forgive and keep sacrificing. And I could say it 70 times 7, but I won't today. But we're called to be a forgiving community that stands by ourselves and goes, yeah, we didn't really hit that one out of the park. It was a better on paper, better known as a bop. But that we would just continue to serve because it's what Jesus has called us to. Some of you right now are having a little bit of an argument in your head right now. Well, like Pastor Jess, uh, people will often ask me, do I have to serve in the church? Like in this particular church, do I have to serve? Can't I just serve the community? Can't I just like coach Little League? Can't I just uh, be a scout leader? And, and I, the answer I give always to people is yes and yes. Yes and yes. That Galatians chapter 6 says this, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Listen, we have no, we have no, there's no wiggle room here. We, we got to serve each other. That's part of our calling as Christians. That is part of the mandate of being like, I'm part of God's family. I serve in the church. And yes, we must serve the world because Jesus said we're to go out into the world and, and preach to every, make disciples of every living creature. Okay, so Yes and yes, we're supposed to serve inside and we're supposed to serve outside. And that's what sacrifice looks like. That's why we don't look like everybody else. That's why we're not the YMCA, although I am, I am thankful for the YMCA. That, that, that's why we're not, because we call, we're called to serve each other sacrificially. 
just tell you one last story, and then I'm going to call Pastor Jan in a minute. Um, so when Dave and I were pastoring this inner city church, I told you this before, that like we had like wild people serving, just wild. Like, oh, it's a good thing like background checks weren't really a thing back then because I don't think anybody would have passed. But we had one particular girl who... Um, Wild would kind of sort of be a good description. It would be a pleasant description. She is from a really hard background, and um, she um, would often on a Sunday morning wear, like, wild clothing. She wore, clearly wore out the night before, and she'd just be, she's just wild. I don't even know how else to describe, okay? She's real wild. Hmm. She, on a Sunday like this, she said, well, I'll serve. I know you need somebody for the Wednesday program. Can I, can I teach the kids? The pastor inside of me was like, I'm, let me worship for a minute. I don't know. She was often seen on the streets like, uh, sanctification was a process in her life is all I can say. Okay, so, but I, I don't think we had a choice. So we, uh, so, okay, sure. You want to serve? Sure. Every Wednesday, this girl would show up and give of herself. And some weeks she was better than others. But, you know, little by little, chains began to break off of her. Now, I'm telling you, if we had a told her to sit in a seat till you got it all figured out, she would have been dead. I know that for sure she would have been dead. Instead, she started teaching Bible stories to kids, and it was wild. Oh, my word, it was wild. There's a lot of swear words, and not from me, uh, from the children. (laughs) Kind of place we were. You know, um, years later now, this girl is leading a large ministry uh, in the north of Ontario. Serving makes us more like Jesus. To do it, we get to do it. Some of you are here, you've never taken a step to serve before. You just thought, well, I'm just checking this place out. Let me just see if you all are that weird. Can I just encourage you to heed the voice of Jesus today, to become like Him, to participate in His miracles? I believe this year we're going to see more miracles than we have ever seen before. I'm believing that with all of my heart, but that is going to require many of us participating becoming participators, and then putting your hand up and saying, hey, I want to tell you about this miracle. This morning, I want to pray for you. Can we just close our eyes and bow our heads? Maybe you're here today, and um, as we talk about Jesus, participating with Jesus, you would say, I I didn't know that I could participate with Jesus. In fact, I'm not even sure that I know him. Today's your day. Jesus wants to know you. He's in this place in this place and he wants to have a relationship with you if you're here this morning you'd say yeah Jess I I, I want to take a step towards Jesus I want to get in relationship with Jesus I want you just to uh, just to raise your hand just so I can see it and pray with you is there anybody here that say yeah I want to make that decision to serve Jesus for the very first time today of the person on your left and your right. Can we just pray this prayer together? Everybody in unison. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for me. I'm sorry for the things I've done wrong. 
that you would forgive me. Cleanse me. Make me new again. Help me to walk with you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to us today. For more information about who we are, head over to myjourney.church or look for us on your favorite social media outlet.